I'm gonna go pick up my kids from school. Um, you don't you don't need to sound so excited about it. <laughs> it's Friday, man. Welcome to the Inciting Event, a brand new podcast created entirely out of my self-serving need to be entertained by the people that I want to chat with. I am your host, Zachary Steele. In addition to being the founder and executive director of Broadleaf Writers Association, I'm also the author of four novels, including Perfectly Normal, which hits the shelves July 18th. Now, on this podcast, we'll take an entertaining dive into moments our guests decided on their creative paths. Along the way, we'll talk movies, music, books, games, passion projects, revisit past projects our guests would now do differently or characters they'd wish they'd focused more upon, and even engage, if I can get them to, in some freestyle storytelling. Now, it's more than just an interview. The inciting event is meant to showcase creatives in a fun and informative way to give you more reason to follow them and enjoy their work. On today's show, I am joined by author and storyteller Clay McLeod Chapman. In addition to, well, let's just say a lot of novels and publishing credits, because I'm a writer, not a mathematician, Clay is the author of the forthcoming novel, What Kind of Mother?, which is due out September 12th. In addition, Clay is also the co-writer of the Quiet Part Loud podcast, which is produced by Jordan Peele, Monkey Paw Productions, and Gimma Media, and co-written with Mac Rogers. Now, you can find out more about Clay at claymcleodchapman.com which I encourage, but you can also stay right here and find out as much as we can figure out about Clay now. So let's get to it. Clay, Clay McLeod Chapman, sir. <laughs> hey. Welcome to this thing I call a podcast. Oh my God. It's amazing. You you know what? You were the first person to say author of what kind of mother. And it, it's just so it's just wild because I mean, that book doesn't come out till September and I don't even know, I just don't know how to feel yet. You know, if something new comes into the world and there's that weirdness of like, what is it? Um, and I actually you just have, got, you just got the pregnancy test. <laughs> pretty much. I, uh, I, you know, like it is maybe, maybe I'm at like sonogram stage, sonogram like, stage. Like, like, you know, like I, the ultrasound where it's like, you're little, looking little. at it. And you're like a little jelly. What is that thing? <laughs> Just a little jelly on the belly. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, it's awesome. I, I totally understand. It's like uh, it's such a long process. You know, um, how long did you work on this one before, like before this moment? Like when did when did this book start? Um, I, I totally get my dates wrong, but I okay. So I started it. I, I was developing it, pitching it, kind of. Uh, doing the kind of like story outlining architecture with my editor back in like maybe uh, November, like October, November, December of not last year, but the year before that would, which would be 21 year. 2021. They tell us it was 2021. We're not sure yet. <laughs> That's I'm it, was 20, it. it was 2020 part two. I think <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. So and then like by I think January, we 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 did the kind of like you've got the green light, now go right. And 
2022 was the year of writing that book. Um, and yeah, it, that it, 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 it's still fresh, you know, like, like fresh to the extent that I can't, <laughs> I can't articulate what it is because yeah. it, like, I, 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 I'm one of those asinine people who need someone else to kind of say it first or say it to me. And then I filter, mm -hmm. I like, I'm a filterer. Like I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a baleen kind of guy where I like, I just need like all the like shrimp to go through my beard. And like, at a certain point I'll, I'll, I'll be like, okay, this is, this is sustenance. This is what it is. This is what, this makes sense to me. Um, yeah. I need the Do world I get to tell so, me. So am I, I'm that person? You are like that I, person. I, 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 mean, I just made this real for you. You're my first shrimp. You made Wait. it into the mouth. Awesome. Uh, great. I always want to be your first shrimp. You know that, right? <laughs> any chance that you can be my first shrimp i will gladly take okay well um, i mean i'm fascinated for this story because um one I, i've always had an interest in in tarot cards and i noticed that, that that's actually part of it not not that i've read any of it yet because we're way too far out for that but um but i before we move on to other things i am curious like what what did you know about tarot cards beforehand and what did you have to learn a lot i had to learn a lot um and, and you know the whether or not this is what the book is actually about anymore for me going into the writing of the book like the the kind of general pitch was i wanted someone i wanted one of those kind of the like those storefront psychics palm readers tarot card readers someone who read like a fortune teller who you know depending on where you kind of where your own kind of belief systems are like maybe they're real maybe they aren't but but if we're if we're coming from a default of that palm readings or fortune tellings or psychics are not real that that the people who kind of uh, you know that this is their job this is their livelihood like what if one of the those people actually does have a psychic slash supernatural moment yeah. Um, someone who isn't psychically inclined suddenly is psychically inclined. Someone who doesn't dabble in the supernatural for real does have a, a supernatural, like, like that kind of what if to me was the, the kind of core concept of the book. Um, yeah. Then I had to learn about it. I have like a whole stack of books of just like, you know, palm reading 101 or, you know, tarot for dummies and, uh, Luckily, I don't dwell in that world for long, and thankfully, my editor was shrewd enough to kind of trim back my uh, mm -hmm. my research. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it, yeah, the value of editors. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that the old saying, you know, write what you know, is is a, a wonderful thing to tell writers if they want to write one book. Um, mm -hmm. But if you want to write more books, uh, writing is is constant research. So that's why I was yeah. I was kind of curious. I was like, I, I know that you know you you you've kind of woven 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 in and out of this the horror genre for for a few projects. Um, but you also land a lot on occult and and things of those natures. And I was just curious if over the course of time you had accumulated that knowledge, or if that was something new that you had to learn. No, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, every book you know, you start every book and it's like classes in session. Like you're, mm -hmm. you're here to kind of learn, you know, you have to learn more than what actually goes in the book. So like, I, I'm just constantly reading, like I'm researching 
you know, but that's, I, I enjoy reading about that stuff, learning about that stuff. Um, I'm terrible at parties because I'm the guy who, you know, corners you and is like, you know, have you heard about, you know, like back in 1973, there was this one psychic who, you know, and it's, but I just yeah. love that. Like it's, it gives me an excuse to kind of imbibe history or facts and, you know, things that I might not otherwise have, have the opportunity or the time to, to kind of indulge. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, well, speaking of the, the the writing journey, you know, in, in terms of what you've written, um, like one of the things uh, that, that's so important in storytelling, as you know, is the inciting event, which for those who are not familiar with the phrase is the point in which uh, the character has something happen to them, around them, that turns the world upside down. Think uh, the letters arriving to, to Harry, you know, to, to turn his world upside down from being the boy under the stairs to a kid learning to be a wizard at a school. Um, and and um, I, I want to use that as a platform here to try to find the inciting event for um, your path. And so for you as as a writer, um, as a performer, as a storyteller, what what is your origin story? When when was the moment that the, your world got turned upside down and you suddenly wanted to be on this path? Oh, man. I mean, it's it's. It's a tough question because I feel like, you know, if you're lucky, you'll have five inciting incidents, you know, or or a sequence of incidents that like, you know, one kind of led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. And I don't know, I mean, like, this is, this is maybe a little silly of me, but I, I feel like I am, um, I've had probably three, three careers as a writer um and fail like you you know I have a career and I fail at that one and then I have another career and I fail at that one and like I think I'm on like my third life cycle as a as a writer of you know of of having that inciting incident having the career losing the career licking wounds and kind of healing back into the next phase you know evolutionary step of of my career um, which I guess is to say it's all about stamina and, you know, the long game. Um, but uh, if 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 we're going to stick to the rules of like, what is the inciting incident? I mean, like the, the kind of story I always tell is that I was I mean, I was a crappy student. I was terrible as a kid, you know, like as early as fifth grade. Um, and I grew up in Virginia and um you know, I was just one of these these students that like if there was a window, like my attention just totally went out it. And, uh, you know, whatever was happening in the class just could not hold my attention. And um, it took one English, it took it took my sixth grade English teacher to kind of pull me aside one day and say, you are failing my class. You will be repeating my class next year when you repeat the sixth grade once more. Uh, if you don't do something to, you know, engage and kind of hike up your grade. And uh Virginia was great because they had this statewide, they have this statewide playwriting competition. Uh, at that point, it was called, uh, oh my God, the Young Writers for the Theater. Um, though I think it's it was it's something else now, New Voices for the Theater. Um, and uh, it, you know, it was a statewide playwriting contest. And my teacher said, if you enter this competition, I'll give you some extra credit. And uh, I wrote you know, three 
of the most craptacular plays you've ever read, but I got the extra credit and I passed. Um, but then I get this letter in the mail like a month later saying, congratulations, you've been selected as one of the, you know, <laughs> one of 30, you know, students from around the state to like come to the local university and work on your plays with, you know, professionals. And it, you know, honestly, like it, it, it changed my life because all of a sudden I found this thing that I really I really wanted to do. I love telling stories. And at that point it was telling stories for the stage. And, and that evolved kind of over the years into other kind of formats, other mediums. But, but if it weren't for that English teacher, if it wasn't for Susan B. Royer, my sixth grade English teacher, you know, I, I have no idea where, where I would be right now. Um, Probably not on this podcast. <laughs> well, I, then I have Susan to thank because uh, uh, I've certainly enjoyed knowing you for as long as I have. And if I if I hadn't had that opportunity, I would definitely been missing out. So thanks, Susan. Um, yeah, it, well, unlike you, um, I, well, I guess, no, actually very much like you, but um, you said that, um, you know, that, that you had trouble with school and everything. And I, I, I made straight A's in fifth grade and, and that was my peak. And it kind of went downhill from there because of the same issue is that I just, I floated, you know, my head was somewhere else thinking of stories, doing all kinds of stuff that wasn't in the moment. So uh, I can totally relate to that. I, I feel like that might actually be a very common story amongst creatives. Yeah. Well, it's the, you got to be the catcher in the rye. You got to be that one person that like, I think of the teacher who looks out at the sea of, you know, faces, you know, staring back. And maybe there are those those students who are not engaged or not kind of lock, locking in, latching in to, to the lesson plan. But there's something there. And, you know, it doesn't happen for everyone. It doesn't happen for every student. Every, every It doesn't, you know, not every teacher takes on that mantle. But, like, I feel like if they can see the potential, if they can see there's something more going on there than what this kind of you know, this format offers and you just have to kind of redirect or, you know, find rather than cramming the circular peg in a square hole, like find, find the circular hole, um, mm. you know, which is, it's, you know, sometimes the world doesn't kind of offer that to you, but if, if one person can just push you or nudge you or redirect you, you know, that makes all the difference. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. I actually had a a sixth grade teacher that, um, strangely enough, was in in math that kind of nudged me in the the writing area, and I wrote a, an essay about it. Um, I, I actually thought at that point in my life I wanted to be a professional bowler, and I had this this exchange with him when I was talking about it, uh, where I, I told him that I wanted to be a professional bowler and you know get get all all of my um, my because I wanted to have my angels right. And he said, you met your angles. I was like, no, my angels. And I went on this long thing that tied religion into bowling and how there was, you know, all of this that was going to come out of it. And he said, I don't know if you're ever going to make it as a professional bowler, but you really should give writing a try. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh and, and and I don't even remember his name. I call him Mr. Sircer because I don't remember. Um, I don't remember his name at all. And I'll have to try to find that someday. Oh my but God. um 
Well, that was also the, it was also the same class. I have two memories from that class. There's that one and and the kid that um, that vomited on my shoe and the smell of sawdust that uh, to clean it up afterwards. So those are my two memories from basically from sixth grade. So um, quite quite an interesting ride. Quite an interesting ride. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. You uh, well, you wrote the story. You wrote the essay about. I did write an essay. Yeah, yeah. I called it Bowling for Jesus. Um, yeah, because it was it was like, I don't know, at that particular point in life, my mom had this thing, and I, I I greatly appreciate this as an adult, that she wanted us to, my mom's a very church-going kind of person and, and Christian lady, and and she wanted us to have that uh that basis, that background. And so she she made us go to church and and said that, you know, when we were 13, she would give us the option. And, um, and so, I mean, at the age of 13, I, I, I was like most 13 year olds, I, I was like, no, that's okay. I'll opt out and just sleep on Sundays. But, um, but it's like, it had created this sort of foundation of, of religion as, as a story. And, um, and I was fascinated by it. And I think that's where that whole, that whole thing came from. I, I, I don't think I ever said anything that made any sense as a kid. So it doesn't surprise me that in that moment, I was just riffing on this whole idea of religion and bowling being this cosmic path to greatness. But, um, but anyway, there's, there's my origin story. I'll never tell it again. Here's my origin story. Is that essay available somewhere? Can I find that? Essay is available. I think I have it on my website, which is, is a very difficult one to remember. It's sacristill.com, much like yours is very difficult to remember. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I have it on there somewhere. Um, and it showed up in a now defunct journal. So there's no, no site, no sense in referencing that. Um, but yeah, Bowling for Jesus is what it's called. So that's amazing. Yeah. Love it. But, uh, yeah. Um, all right. Anyway. So, okay. Another thing that I really love is the idea of, um, writers you know we're we're constantly editing um we're constantly revising we they i feel like the best thing that could ever happen to a writer is have a book published so that it can be taken away from them so that they don't change anything ever again um now that said um i'm curious with all the work that you have specifically um looking in the wayback machine or even something recently is there something back there that you look at and say, man, I wish, I wish knowing what I know now, I could write that thing because I would do this differently. Absolutely. I mean, what is the, what is that? The pop, the Picasso saying like all great work, like all work is never finished. It's abandoned like that. I, I mean, like I, uh, I, I have a, a pretty, <laughs> I give, I give myself like, six months if that maybe like three where whatever the patina of publishing offers it wears off and i if if i read anything of my own after that window i it's just so painful that like mm-hmm. i'm just like oh my god like, <laughs> what, what was i thinking what were what was the publisher thinking my god they let me get away with this but it, you know I, I, I feel kind of, this is a bittersweet story for me, but like my, my first novel, which was my second book, uh, was called Miss Corpus. And the whole experience, like I, I had like this, the kind of total Cinderella story where like my, 
my first book, which was a collection of short stories, um, came, I, I got a book deal like when I was really young. And I, I honestly didn't have a lot of the life living and the understanding of the industry. Uh, and, and to be honest, like the understanding of craftsmanship of like how to write a book, how to write a novel. Mm -hmm. So Miss Corpus, my first novel was kind of a lesson in how not to write a novel. And I did, I think I did everything wrong. I think I made every wrong decision along the way and nothing, this is, this is all me. This is not like nobody else. Like I'm not pointing any fingers or laying any blame at anyone beyond myself. Like, I think I just didn't know how to write a novel and all of a sudden I had been bestowed this amazing opportunity to write a novel. And having written nothing but short stories up to that point, lots of short stories, uh, I knew how to write 10 pages, but anything beyond 11 pages just was like, that was uncharted territory. And how to write 200, 300, 400 pages was, was I, I, I just, I had never felt so lost in all of my life and so frankly kind of terrified of 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 this of writing um so I you know when I think back to Miss Corpus and and you know to the publisher's credit uh and my editor's credit uh there was a long drawn out process I, you know, from first draft, which I turned in at like 500 pages, uh, <laughs> ultimately they published, uh, I think it was like 234 pages was the, 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 the final cut. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's so hard to kind of express the kind of the one specific, like, oh, I would change this or I would change that. But like the experience of writing that first book if there was a way to go back and change and, and do it over, you know, in a total hindsight, 2020, like, well, if I knew then what I know now, um, the book would just be a completely different beast. And maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not as, you know, I, not everybody loves, not, not many people love that book. Um, some people do, thank God. Uh, a lot of people don't, but, uh, but like, I, I wonder if, you know, there's something kind of fragile and delicate about that book that like if if I was to go back and try it again it would probably it would just be I would probably you know just go raised earth and like scorched earth it and just like you know I I would have to write the whole damn thing over again but then mm -hmm. it probably wouldn't be what it you know whatever the raw that. kind of organicness mm -hmm. of it would not be what it is yeah, no, I, I understand I think I, I often think of my my first book and and I'm grateful that it got published and grateful that somebody was willing to invest money in putting it in print and on the shelves and everything. And it, you know, I mean, for a small press, it did reasonably well, but I read that thing now and, and though I enjoy it and there's a lot of humor in it. So it makes me laugh. Um, my goodness, if I tried to attack that thing right now, it would be so incredibly different. Cause I was like you, I didn't, I didn't know all of the connective tissue that was necessary to write that whole book and make it, you know, a, a complete story. And so I feel like there was, there was probably some meandering and some, some faulty threading that, that was in there just to try to, to, to connect it all. You know, it's so, it's so funny. I actually, the book, Miss Corpus is 
as of February, this last February, uh, 20 years old. It's a, that, that book is 20 years old. I have not cracked that book open in over 20 years. I just cannot, like, it is just such a painful experience for me. Like I cannot, yeah. but I will say this, the, I know for a fact, if, if, I mean, the book is long out of print. Like you would have, like, this is pre-digital, pre-Kindle, pre, like the book just does not exist other than like the third layer of some landfill in Florida right now. But uh, I- I don't know. I mean, I have a signed copy. So if anybody wants to buy that, <laughs> I'll put a nice price on it. Oh man, that, that doorstop is probably collecting dust by now. But I will say this. I want to say this. I know for a fact, if, anyone would give me permission to hop in a time machine i would totally change just the first line of the book um right. yeah it's it's so silly and i'm just i'm gonna i'm blushing but i'm gonna admit it i'm gonna cop to it um like the book is the book makes no sense the book is like it started off with like all these multiple narratives. Like I, I wanted to write like a Winesburg, Ohio or a Spoon River anthology. Like I wanted like a mosaic of narratives of voices that would come together and like different voices from different narrator narrators and different characters that would come together to create a larger tapestry, a macro tapestry. Um, my editor was just like, nope, not gonna happen. Um, <laughs> and, but like at one point, like, in in this survived the cut but like even the book itself starts to talk like like this i mean like i know this is kind of weird but like if you think back to like when the book came out this was like the high time of david foster wallace and uh dave edgar's like heartbreaking work of staggering genius like all the books i was reading at that point were like postmodern like like kind of like oh like we could do all of these wild things and I was like I want to do wild things like I want my book to talk to the reader and for you know my editor was just like no you just you're not David Foster Wallace dude like you're just not you know heartbreaking work of staggering genius this book is not um but the the introduction the first chapter of the book is the friggin' book talking to the reader about what they're about to experience. And oh my God, I, I'm cringing and I'm stalling, but like the first, the first sentence of the book, the book, Miss Corpus, like Miss Lady Body is, the first line of this novel is read for this is my body. And like, you know, to get biblical, like just to like, it's just like I I am I am just mortified and like I've been taken a task by like reviews and you know like it's just like so pompous and so like oh my god like you know it's when you're so it's so young is what it is <laughs> when you're when you're 22, 22 years old and someone's like hey guess what here's the golden ticket. You get to write a novel and we're going to publish it. And you're like, oh, wow, this is great. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm the next David Foster Wallace. Here we go. Let's get biblical. You read for this is my body. Woohoo. <laughs> like, I, uh, uh, oh my God. It's awesome. I, I'll, 
those two things um first of all you you said you were blushing but i mean not that we can tell because your beard game is strong um <laughs> i'm not sure you know what your what your what your daily regimen is like that but um but it is strong um but but also it was like you're you are at your core a very gifted storyteller and i mean as a as a performer um you know you you had your your pumpkin pie show that you ran in new york for 10 years and you still do it every once in a while popping up and like making scores of people happy for a day um but the the one thing i've always appreciated about your writing even even with a book that wants me to do communion with it is that your your narrative voice is always strong and so like i think of the remaking and i'm fortunate enough to have actually seen you perform essentially the, the the opening to that and and you bring you bring to it a uh, a really powerful connection to the reader of just somebody telling you a story and and I think that never undersell that because that's such an important part of connecting to a reader and and you do it well do you want your book to to conduct communion with the reader not really no but but I get it I get it yeah oh man all right, we'll we'll get you we'll get you away from that. So you, you're not you're not peeking into the middle school yearbook and going oh so awkward. Um, but uh, but we'll we'll go on to kind of a branch of that. Um, like, transmedia is such a thing that it's such a big thing now. And and for again to 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 define it, transmedia is just the idea of taking elements of a story and telling them on other platforms. Uh, you see it a lot on TikTok and YouTube shorts and um in graphic novels, you know, characters out of books that are turned into graphic novels and you know, offshoots of movies that are from a story. Um, it's taking elements of something and broadening the world. And I'm curious, um, I mean, you have written books, you have written comics, you have you have written screenplays, you have performed your own material. And um, I, I'm of this wealth of stories that you have created. Um, is there is there are, are there characters? Is there a character or characters um, or a place or a thing that you didn't spend a lot of time with that you you've you look back and think, I wish I could do more with them. I would, I would take them in this direction, kind of thing. Wow, it's a really interesting question. I uh... thanks. I have at least three. <laughs> no, like it's a. Uh... You know, it's it's funny because I feel like. You know, for a while there, I was writing middle grade books, uh, and there's this one like the narrator of those books. Like I had so much joy writing these books because it came from a place of just kind of pure I mean just pure joy um and the narrator of those books was this student named Spencer Pendleton and he was kind of like a little rambunctious kind of id version of me I guess um and I always just loved I, I loved writing from him and I think at the I mean I wrote three novels from his point of view. And I think by the end, I was definitely like, I, I think I've told his story. Um, but like, I still, I don't know, like I have a soft spot for him. Um, and then you mentioned uh, the remaking. I think the remaking, you know, the remaking did okay. Like I, I, you know, I think the people who like it, like it and those who don't, don't. But uh, um, I always felt a kinship to at the core of the book is are these two characters, a mother and a daughter, 
Um, and I, you know, Jessica, like there's this, 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 the, the little witch girl of Pilots Creek, Virginia, uh, is this girl named Jessica. And I, and she exists in the book in this kind of negative space. Like you never really see her. She's never like a, a part of the story, but she's always kind of haunting the story, like her, from the edges. And, you know, I don't think there's like a sequel in the future, but, um, you know, if, if I, I would always, I, I, I feel kind of like I would, wouldn't mind kind of thinking of what, what the next phase of her story might be, um, whether that's like 20 extra pages or like an additional kind of cameo or, you know, who knows, but yeah, right. Jessica Ford, uh, the little witch girl of pilots knob and, uh, Spencer Pendleton. Cool. Um, now I, 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 I've known you a long time and, um, it's always been a dream of mine to ride your coattails. I mean, that is to say, to collaborate with you. Um, and I'm, 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 I have this idea, and it may be terrible. <laughs> it probably will be terrible. I'm just it saying, probably will for, be terrible for my contribution. It, it'll probably be. Terrible. <laughs> I, I want to see what kind of story or what story elements we can come up with in five minutes. If we take my love of fantasy and and mesh it with your love of horror, okay. If you're game, if you're game, I'm down. I'm down. I I'm, I make no, you know, all bets are off. Like you, there's there's no telling what we're coming up with, right? I'm I'm sticking with the this could be very horrible, um, or this could be really great. I don't know. So I I have no idea. Five minutes is not a lot of time, um, but. I'm just going to go ahead and start a clock and we're going to see what we come up with. Okay. All right. You're leading the charge, right? Like I'm I'm, I'm going to kick us I'm going to kick us off and then yeah. and and then I just need you to chime in cuz I I want to I want to take my elements of what I love about fantasy and I'll define that right now as just kind of this sort of other world from a real world setting, you know, a sort of crossover kind of thing um in which you know, everything is fair game, you know, from the creatures to magic to epic elements, you know, iconic things, um, to your ability to create the completely bizarre and mm -hmm. scary and horrific, because that's what you dwell in. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't know. I just want to do something with you. Yeah. Um, maybe someday we'll have our names on a book together, but right now we're going to have five minutes to just talk about a story. Let's do it. All right. So if I were to start this, which I've started the clock, if I were to start this, I would have to say that we need uh, an antagonist and a, and a, a protagonist. So um, which would you prefer? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to cheat and say protagonist, uh, antagonist and antagonist. you're going to take antagonist. That's actually better because you're on the horror side of things. So you get to create something terrifying. So um, I, I always tend to like to work with um, younger characters working through stories, but include adults. So what we're going to have is we're going to have, um, let's just say a young girl, 14 with a broken family who discovers, um, a cave and she's escaping something from her own family. Maybe she's just escaping the fact that she no longer has a whole family and she's going to go into this cave and, and the cave is very deep, very long. And at the, at the back end of the cave, 
she discovers some type of mirror embedded in a rock. A very weird thing to find at the end. And when she looks in it, she sees the, the cave continue, but she does not see her own reflection. And so her journey is going to be through that mirror into a world that is what? Oh, wow. Okay. So, <laughs> all right, here we go. Um, what the girl doesn't realize is that if you cross through the mirror, into the mirror, enter the mirror, it actually, the, the person that like exits the other side is the worst parts of you. So it kind of strips you away from you so that the you that enters into this mirror world, this reflective world is no longer all you, but just the bad you, the, the ugly you, the angry you. And it, it takes, you know, what it, the mirror itself kind of traps the good uh, in it so that the, the id is free now to kind of wreak havoc in this, this mirror world. Um, and if you're not careful, you can forever stay trapped in the mirror. The good of you will be trapped in the mirror while the bad you is free to either stay in the reflective world or break out. Like if maybe you break the mirror, that means you can kind of exist in, in the good world, in the regular world, our world. Um, so there's always that risk of, you know, your, your reflection killing you. <laughs> That's crazy. We got two minutes left already. Um, so in, in effect, you're, you're kind of taking our protagonist and turning her into an antagonist because she is, you're doing your job. She is, she is actually the bad version of herself and therefore the protagonist is actually within and fighting. So perhaps we're walking into a world where, um, where dreams and reality are kind of merged so that the protagonist within is actually having an experience trying to, um, at the same time, escape trying to become itself again um while while the the antagonist is out outwardly being horrible in what is effectively not a terrible place yeah yeah what if yeah what if it's a swap it's like the, your your bad mirror self pops out into our world while the good and like protagonist self is trapped in the reflective bad world the, the mirror world the bad world you know the, so we, yeah so we have we have two worlds we could actually do it both ways we could either do like maybe walking through the mirror creates the split and the antagonist part goes into the real world and the protagonist part goes into the other world where it is dark because obviously it's creating a dark version of you and yeah. so therefore you have two stories therefore you could have one part of the story that is strictly fantasy and one part of the story that is almost completely horror correct yeah yeah um yeah the 30 seconds world, 30 seconds 30 seconds the mirror world has a lot of bad monstery goopy climby slimy dragon slug monsters yes and the objective is the reason the mirror is there is because they want to actually get into our world and destroy it and take the darkness and expand They're 10 seconds good. anything to add uh happy ending, the ending. They, break, they, break, they swap she, 
they, they, she breaks the mirror from the bad side and possibly even sacrifices herself to do it. Ooh. Time. Dun, dun, dun. There goes my chime. I don't know. Five minutes isn't enough time, but I actually like that. That was fast. Um, that, that idea of, uh, of the, the, the dark mirror kind of approach to things uh, of like, especially if you're talking about a character who is prone to daydreaming like we were. And you see this opportunity to go into another world and you're like, ah, I have to take this. And then you don't realize the unintended consequences. You're sending a very horrible version of yourself back home. The dark mirror. We're just going to call it the dark mirror. The dark mirror. I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So that wasn't horrible. Um, <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, thank you for, thank you for entertaining me. Um, I, I enjoyed that. Anytime. So I thought five minutes was going to slog, but that went. No, bad. man, that's like five minutes goes by really fast. So five minutes isn't a lot of time. That's, that is, that is a lesson to be gained in this guinea pig experiment. So thank you very much. <laughs> but all right. So I don't have a lot more time. Um, you know, I, I, I want to try and keep these somewhere in that 30 to 40 minute range. Um, before we go, though, I'm curious about um, what you've seen. Okay, I know one movie you've seen recently, and I really want you to talk about it. But let's talk about movies for a second. What is something you've seen lately that makes you go, I really want to talk about this? Oh, my God. Am I going to blank on you? Um, I, I'm going to cheat. I I have found Tubi. Have you heard of Tubi? The, the, yeah, I've heard of Tubi, yeah. The streaming app? It is god's gift it is like it is honestly the mm -hmm. first time in a long long time that i feel as if i'm entering into a video store like a vhs video <laughs> video rental shop mm -hmm. um because it feels so mom and pop and the selection has been amazing like especially like like i don't know if it's tailored to me in any way but like everything on there feels like a throwback and you can't find them anywhere else. Like yeah. I just recently watched for a, the 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 second time in a long, long time this documentary called Marjo, which actually even won the Academy Award um, back in the seventies, like maybe seventy two, seventy three, seventy four. But it's all about a child evangelical preacher who he was like eight years old when he was preaching the gospel who's now in his like 20s, 30s, uh, and he's kind of coming back to the circuit to expose the hypocrisy of, of the, the kind of, of, of the, the circuit at that point. And uh, he, uh, he invited this, this documentary crew to come along with him on the, on the way uh, through the kind of South. And it's such a phenomenal time capsule of, not only that the time i mean this was like 70s early early 70s but also like looking at you know preaching and you know evangelicalism evangelism um it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful movie and i can't find it anywhere else other than tubi so you know wild yeah that's interesting no i i have discovered tubi um I, and i watched the oscars and um uh, the, there was like basically five movies that you learned about all night. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, there's one that I had, I had heard of um, Marcel, the shell with shoes. Yeah. With the, the shell with shoes on. Have you seen this yet? 
I actually haven't. Have you seen a trailer for this yet? Yes. Okay, because there was a moment where they showed a clip from this and I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at. And there's this little show with an eyeball and shoes on and it's on a chair and it talks in the voice that is, that is used and the line that is delivered made me laugh so hard that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to go see this. And, yeah. and so that's, that's on the queue. I, I am, I'm watching that this weekend. Um, but uh, but yeah, I was actually curious about Cocaine Bear because I know you had an experience going to see that, and I was curious what what your what your take was on Cocaine Bear. I mean, it's a total lark. I yeah like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not supposed. I mean, look, I I um I did I wouldn't place high expectations on it, but um but I, I'll it was Elizabeth Banks. Is that right? Was that yeah. who? Yeah, yeah and she she did that. So, I mean, I, anything she does is like I will watch. So um, I was just curious. It's, I mean, it's, it's fun. I think that like, we put so much pressure on movies to be more, but like the, the kind of value of joy and entertainment. I mean, it's such a silly movie and it embraces its inherent silliness. Like it knows, it knows what it is and it, it plays by its rules for the most part. Um, You know, it, it's not revelatory by any stretch, but I don't think it, it needs to be. Um, I I I had a a fine time. I, you know, like it. Right. My, my my expectations were. You know, like I. It's so funny. Like I I want to articulate this in a way that's not critical of the movie because I don't I don't think you need to be critical of the movie. I think it's just like the the kind of mechanism behind it. The the machinery of it is like I want to I want you to have a fun silly time, mm-hmm. and the movie ultimately does that. Yeah, I, I would I would place it right up there with the Sharknado class of films. Um, I'm like, you know what you're in for, and if you'll just suspend your need for great storytelling or a fantastic movie and just have fun, then maybe you would enjoy that. So, I, I mean, the only dis- the only kind of discrepancy there would be Sharknado. You know, Sharknado is kind of like the 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 budget that Sharknado has is is far is is so different than the the budget that cocaine bear has i think what happens is the people behind cocaine bear see a film like sharknado and say i want to do that let's do that in this this kind of industrial machine and you know is one any different than the other is one better than the other does one give the have the same impact as the other it's you know there's there's probably like 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 million dollars in between those two movies. Oh, yeah. and 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 and, so, and probably a, a few gaps in science as well yeah yes so all right all right well i mean i i could always talk to you forever um i don't have a i don't have a desire to break but we're going to go ahead and do that and and so um thank you for your time and to anybody, anybody watching or listening, um, Clay Chapman, um, he's everywhere in terms of books and comics and film. Uh, he has worked with Rain Wilson, had interviews, or no, done, uh, moderated an interview with Elijah Wood because you've worked with him. And most recently with Wendell and Wilde, forged a connection with uh, some guys named Key and Peel or something. I don't know. Never heard of them. Um, but uh so kudos to you for the cycles of life 
of your writing career and and continuing to to fight and move forward and tell stories in whatever form you can. Um, I am and always will be a fan of yours, and I I want others to be as well. So keep keep plugging away, fighting the good fight, man. Thanks for yep. thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so um, Clay ClayMcCloudChapman.com. Um, what kind of mother? September twelfth. Uh, Pre-order. Get those pre-orders in, and um, and hopefully you know be able to see you at a bookstore or I don't know a, a writing conference somewhere. Mm, yes. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs>